where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. No matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. And you are wanted and you are valued here. We have stories of faith that connect us, whether you're in Connecticut, Colorado, the United States, or Europe, or anywhere in the world. We are continuing to hear the words of Jesus from the Sermon on the Mount in the Gospel of Matthew. And today we are hearing a bit about what he has to say about anger. So we're beginning in chapter 5, verse 21. You have heard that it was said to those of ancient times, you shall not murder, and whoever murders shall be liable to judgment. But I say to you that if you are angry with a brother or a sister, you will be liable to judgment. And if you say, you fool, you will be liable to judgment. So when you are offering your gift, at the altar, if you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother or sister, and then come to offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are on your way to court with them, or your accuser may hand you over to the judge, and the judge to the guard, and you will be thrown into prison. Truly, I tell you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. And then we are continuing on from verse 38. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist an evildoer. But if anyone strikes you on the right cheek, turn the other also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your coat, give your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go also the second mile. Give to everyone who begs from you, and do not refuse anyone who wants to borrow from you. Words for us today. Glasses, mic, mask takes a moment to get ready. Things that we need to think about. Well, I've got a story for us today to think about. You see, long ago, there was a, a farmer who lived way out in the countryside. Everybody called him Old Joe. And next door to his farm was where his good friend Sam had his. Now, old Joe and Sam, they had been friends since boyhood. They'd grown up together, watched their kids grow together, farmed the land side by side. But now, ah, two old friends. The kids were all grown up and gone. Both of their spouses had passed on. So they just really had each other and their farms. One day, old Joe and Sam had an argument. Now, this wasn't new. The two friends would argue. You know that. We argue with our friends, with our family members. And they always found some way past it, but not this day. 
And the argument was over a, a stray calf that had been found. It had been found on Sam's land, but it had the exact same markings as one of old Joe's cows. So Sam said, it had to be his. And Joe said, no, you know, it's got to be mine. And they argued and they argued, and I don't know what it was. Maybe, maybe Sam wasn't feeling well that day. Maybe it was something old Joe had for breakfast. But those two friends, they argued and argued, and they almost came to blows. But they stopped themselves just in time. In fact, they pretty much stopped everything. They certainly stopped talking to each other. It got to be so that anytime old Joe would step out and see Sam across the way, well, he'd just turn around and go right back inside. And he could see that Sam would do the same thing. Well, this went on. One day, well, Joe got up and he made a pan of biscuits and he set some stew on the back of the stove. He was just about to go out to hitch up his horse to his wagon to head into town for some supplies that day when there was a knock at his door. And he thought, oh. His heart leapt a little bit because he thought it, it, might, be, it might be Sam. And he went over to the door and he opened it up, but it wasn't Sam standing there, no. No, it wasn't his old friend. It, it was a young man wearing a hat back on his head, had a short brown beard, had real friendly, sparkly eyes. And he also had a, a box of tools on a strap slung over his shoulder. And after exchanging greetings, the younger man said to old Joe that he was a carpenter and wondered if, if there might be some work that he could do for a day's wage here. Now, old Joe was going to say no, but then, instead, he grabbed the young man's elbow, took him out to the edge of the porch and said, look, look over there. What do you see? Tell me. What do you see there? <laughs> the young man said, well, I... I see a stream running. Yeah, that's right, that stream. That wasn't there last week. No, that old guy that lives over there, you see that house across the way? Yeah, mm -hmm, I see that. Well, he, he put that there just to spite me. He took his tractor up to the upper pond, made a furrow and flooded it. He put that there on our property lines just to spite me. Well, I'll tell you, I'm sick of it. I'm sick of it, I tell you. I'm sick of looking at it. I'm sick of looking over there. I see you got yourself some tools. I got some lumber and nails in the barn. Could you build me a fence right there so I don't have to see any of that anymore? And the younger man said, well, yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I can build what you need. Great. They agreed on the day's wage. <clears throat> Old Joe said, I'm going to be heading into town. I'll be back this afternoon. Hope you have a good, yeah, I think you got some good weather for your work. I'll see you later. So he got in his wagon after hitching up the horse, and he headed down and around the curve off to town. 
And the young man, well, he went to the barn, and he found the lumber and nails, and he hauled what he needed, and he, he measured and marked. He sawed and hammered, and he did fine work. He had good skills, and he did, he did fine, fine work. Well, later that afternoon, old Joe was coming back home from town. And as his horse pulled the wagon around the curve to where his house was in sight, he stopped. The carpenter was packing up his tools. He'd finished. But what old Joe saw wasn't a fence. What he saw was a bridge right over that stream. And Sam was coming across it with a big smile on his face and his hand outstretched. And he came up to Joe and he said, Oh, Joe, I'm so glad. I'm so glad you built that bridge. I hate what we've been doing. I don't care about that calf. I'm sure it's yours. And old Joe said, I don't care about the calf at all. What I care about is our friendship. And those two old friends hugged each other there and then. Well, then, <laughs> old Joe saw the carpenter packing up his tools and picking up his box. He said, oh, wait, wait, wait fella. Listen, you do, <laughs> you do good work. I got, I got plenty of projects around here, and I, I bet Sam does, too. Why don't you stick around? And the young carpenter looked at him and said, oh, thanks. Thanks, yeah. On the one hand, I wouldn't mind working here. It's real nice. But, but I got to... I got to move on. You see, I got more bridges to build. And off he went. Well, then Sam and old Joe crossed that bridge, arms around each other's shoulders, went up to Sam's house and sat on his porch, looked over the land, had a cup of coffee. And that's the story of old Joe and the carpenter. I, I sort of want to go hear that other story, too. I'm going to have to. Amelia, make sure you take notes so I can hear it another time. But I got to say the story of old Joe and the carpenter. That's a good one, isn't it? I hadn't heard that story before. So let's just take a few moments to consider it. To consider what's really at the heart of the matter. What was it that was really upsetting old Joe and Sam? Was it the calf? Was it the stream? I think we'd agree that that wasn't it, right? There was something underneath it. Something underneath the rift. There always is, isn't there? And I love that part about, you know, the young carpenter knocking on the door. 
It didn't take long before Joe's emotions spilled out to a total stranger. They spilled out, and the solution that he came up with about building a fence really would have only solidified the rift. But we learn later, after what we know the carpenter built, that the carpenter was listening really closely. And sometimes when emotions spill out, and they spill out in a fury, and maybe a few decibels too high, and maybe they're pointing out some faults in other people that maybe what we think is needed isn't really what's needed. Fence wasn't going to solve anything. But the carpenter knew, and he said, I think I can build what you need. He didn't say, I think I can build you a fence, which is what he asked for. I think I can build you what you need. And what I love about the story is that just hearing the knock on the door lifted Joe's heart with the possible anticipation that his friend Sam might be coming over. Makes me think that not many people knocked on his door. And the other part that I love is that once the bridge was built, who was the first one to walk over it? Sam. Sam walked over, arms outstretched. Joe, I'm so glad you built the fence. I mean the bridge. (laughs) So glad you didn't get what you wanted. Glad you built the bridge. I wonder, as they were having that cup of coffee, if Joe ever said, you know, I asked him to build a fence. But he must have seen in my heart that what I really needed was a way to get to you and for you to get to me. The story of old Joe and the carpenter and the scripture lessons reveal something important about relationships. You know, anger and disagreements can happen all the time. It started with a disagreement about a calf. And then it led to two people just sort of sticking in their heels and turning on them in opposite directions. Anger is an emotion that's valid and genuine. And if you were taught to avoid anger or deny anger, you can stop that now. And begin the practice of noticing and naming different emotions. Now, I get it. The teaching of Jesus doesn't help much because Jesus said, if you're angry with another, you're liable to judgment. Now, liable to judgment is not the same as you are going to be judged. It just means that you got to be careful. Because Jesus knew that emotions can be tricky and they can lead to other things. And so you've probably noticed, and I hope this is the case for you, it's certainly the case for me, that, that between parents, teachers, and friends, people can help us identify emotions if that's not something we're good at. 
And we also, once we learn how to identify emotions, we can also help others. Questions like, you seem angry, is that true? Or fill in the blank with anger's close friends, annoyed, frustrated, irritated. Something, you seem a little off today, are you? Or what's really upsetting you? I can tell you're upset. I hear it, I see it, you make, you're making that face. What's really upsetting you? Sometimes retaliation is engaged in lieu of anger. Rather than feeling an emotion, we just lash out. That's what retaliation is, right? Lash out, get them back, an eye for an eye. It's a way of feeding wounds rather than tending to them. And tending to them can be tricky because there's a vulnerability involved. You know, you have to be able to say, I'm hurt, I'm lonely, I feel alone, you've disappointed me. But if we don't tend to it, we transfer it. Transference is always putting it out there because it's too painful in here for some reason, or at least we think it is. And so we put it out there onto groups, onto places, onto people. Retaliation is always a choice. And in the end, it only adds to the injury. And Jesus is asking that we settle disputes before they pile up and create a fence or a wall. What really stands out in this story is that neither one knew what to do or how to approach each other to make amends. They were lifetime friends. What is it about that first step that's so hard? See, Sam thought that Joe built the bridge. So Joe started it, and then Sam came over. Joe was hoping that Sam would knock on the door. I can remember a couple lines in my growing up years, which is like five years ago, when people would say things like, do you want to be right or do you want to be married? I don't care who started the fight, who's going to be the first one to end it? I mean, those are valuable lessons. And honestly, when I did hear them for the first time, they were new to me. Both of the men were certain that they were right at whose calf it was. But I have to tell you, I think that assigning the value of right and wrong to a dispute is a huge distraction. It doesn't get at the heart of the matter. It doesn't matter whether it's right or wrong. We spend so much time caught up in that dichotomy 
that it really doesn't get to the heart of the matter. Because just because you or someone else is feeling angry doesn't mean somebody else did something wrong. It means it touched something in you. Have you ever noticed that two different people, one that you barely know and one that you, I don't know, maybe live with, could say the same thing the exact same thing and have a completely different reaction in you. What's that about? Well, it's about you, us. It's the same message. We're funny, aren't we? <laughs> what we can hear and what we can't hear. And when it's something we can't, don't want to hear, we think the other person's wrong. And so, with that spirit of don't always know what to say, I wonder about these sentences. I'm concerned that I may have hurt you. Is that true? I feel like we're pulling apart. Is it my imagination or is something not right? Well, I did the right wrong thing. Do you hear how embedded that is? Or when it's completely obvious, we can say, I'm sorry my words were hurtful. Please forgive me. Now again, just because words are hurtful doesn't mean they aren't valid. They could be pointing to something we know and don't want to acknowledge or need to hear and don't want to hear. As, a, as an invitation to get to the heart of the matter, to get to our hearts today, I, wanna, I want us to pause here and to enter into a time of guided prayer. And I'm going to offer some, some different prompts. And I give you, from the onset, full permission to follow your own prompts if your mind's eye takes you someplace else. And so in that spirit of invitation, let's take a moment to begin with a comfortable position. Just resettle in your body for a moment. Notice the placement of your feet, the placement of your hands. And you're welcome to soften your gaze or even close your eyes if you'd like to. And let's take three full breaths together. A big inhale, pause at the top, and then a slow exhale. Let's inhale again and notice the expansion and the emptying in an exhale. the expansion and the emptying. And now just enjoy the simplicity of your breath's natural rhythm. Just let your body breathe. 
And with your mind's eye, go to a special place that you've been to. Notice where you are. The time of day, the temperature, the surroundings. Feel the earth beneath you. Look around in all directions. Look up and see what's above you. Allow yourself to enjoy the beauty of this place, this special place. And as you're enjoying the beauty, take a few steps and begin to walk. And as you walk, be aware of your surroundings and any details that might catch your eye. Just continue walking and notice a small stream beside you. Take a few moments to walk toward the stream and to walk alongside of it. And as you look a little further in the distance, there's a bridge. It's beautifully crafted and shimmering in sunlight. Walk towards that bridge. And let yourself walk across it. And as you're walking across or when you get to the other side, pick up your head for a moment and see that there's someone walking toward you. perhaps more than one person. Walk toward each other and just spend a few moments together. It's almost time to bring your time together to a close. Consider how you'll say goodbye. offer words of blessing and words of parting. And then turn back toward the bridge. And once again, walk across toward where you came from. And as you get to that other side, take a moment to enjoy again the beauty of the place where you are.
And from that place of beauty, I invite you to turn your attention back to your breath. Just notice your breath. And then feel your feet. Notice the furniture that's supporting you. Allow yourself to feel the full weight of your body. And when you're ready, you can open your eyes or return to a more focused glance and return to the space where you are now. You might want to take a moment or two to capture some notes about your experience so that you can return to it later. You can savor it. You can share it. You can write a song about it or a poem. And as you reflect back on that moment, on this time of prayer, consider what it might be that the Spirit is inviting you to. Consider if there is a heart of the moment that the Spirit recognized you needed. And may that gift be with you.